time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. All right. Welcome to the Vintage Truth Podcast. This is podcast number, I don't know, 31, something like that. And uh, we're, we've climbed up the charts some in the Christian world of podcasting. And, you know, if you're wondering, obviously, if you're listening to this, you know how to find the podcast. But uh, to tell your friends, some of your friends are, are online a little more than others. Some, some of your friends are more just listening on their phones and stuff. If you're listening on an iPhone, you're obviously listening on the podcast app that comes standard with the iPhone. There's also a Podomatic app as well that you can listen with on your iPhone or go online to Podomatic.com, type in Vintage Truth. And uh, for you um, Android users, I think it's Google Play. So there's apps for that. You know how to figure all this stuff out. But it's Vintage Truth Podcast. So tell your friends, help me spread the word about this podcast. You know, I've been getting such incredible insight, uh, excuse me, feedback uh, from the insight that people are getting from these podcasts. And it's very encouraging um, because it's stimulating Christians not only with new biblical knowledge and and confirming things in their heart that they feel, but they don't know how to really articulate those in Scripture. But it's also really motivating Christians to be the people that God wants them to be. And so it's really found a, a home in a lot of hearts. And so I would appreciate it that, that if you would help me spread the word. Right now we're uh, getting uh, hits on about 700 unique RSS feeds that are coming in to listening to the podcast. So uh, the more that that the word goes out there, the more people can be influenced with the truth and the gospel. So really appreciate your help in doing that. Now, today I want to talk about this, um, the importance of a Christian, of a disciple, really taking a stand for the truth in a world when it's not popular to do so. You know, Christianity uh, at some point around the 300s, around the 4th century, was institutionalized by um, by Constantine. And Christianity became the dominant religion of the Roman Empire at that time. And, of course, went through the Middle Ages with the Catholic Church and that whole uh, mess. But here's the deal. For the most part in human history, Christianity has been a marginalized faith. Uh, we have not been the dominant faith in the world, and we still are not the dominant faith in the world uh, in terms of our influence. And so it's important for individual Christians to be able to spread the light of Jesus Christ and God's truth in the world. It's not the church's job in terms of the institution of the church. It's the pastor's job to equip the saints in Ephesians chapter 4 to do the work of service out there and in the church. So it's, in, it's the army of Christ's followers that goes out there every day that shines the light of his love and of his truth out there in the world. It's not the job of the church. The church is a, is a building. That's what people think of the church. It's just a place where the church gathers, but it's the church scattering that really makes the difference. And there's an, uh, an example I want to bring up here that really kind of illustrates this point. There is a, a high-profile pastor in uh, New York City uh, of a particular church. And I won't name the pastor, I won't name the church, but um, a young guy, uh, really hip, had really giant glasses on for some strange reason. You know, the buzz-sided haircut going on, uh, skinny jeans, the jean jacket, the whole hipster pastor kind of thing. And uh, they're, they're, it's a huge venue where there's a lot of stage stuff going on, a lot of stage presence, stage personalities, and that type of thing. Anyway, so he was invited to be on this show called The View. Now, The View is this is this um, 
ultra kind of liberal women's talk show that they just talk about different subjects and they have guests on and they, you know, depending on whether or not they like or, or don't like the guests, they either eat them for lunch or they praise them for what they're doing in the world. And um, I don't know any men who watch The View, okay? I've never met a man who says, I watch The View every day. Never met one. I don't watch The View. But when something on The View is noteworthy, it makes the front page. And this made the front page. So this pastor was asked to be on The View. He's on The View. And they ask him this question. I think it's the host, Joy Bear, I think is her name. She asked him this question. She says, so your church is against abortion, isn't it? And the way this pastor responded, instead of just saying, yeah, of course we're against abortion. Why wouldn't we be? It's killing children. No, he said, you know, I really want to hear people's stories. I don't really, we're not really here to judge. I just really want to hear people's stories. And she pressed him and he continued in this slide of, of compromise and did not unequivocally say without a shadow of a doubt, that killing and butchering unborn babies is the most morally reprehensible, barbaric act that we could possibly do on planet Earth because they're defenseless and they're innocent. He didn't say that. And stand his ground. And then just take the arrows, you know, that they would, they, they would absolutely slaughter him verbally if he'd answered that way. And he knew it. And so he took this little well, I'm just going to be nice to them. And maybe if I talk about, I just like to hear their story first on how, how a woman came to have an abortion. You know, if he, it said that, then he's thinking, well, gosh, they'll, they'll go, you know, this guy's cool. I like this guy. I think I'm going to go to his church and we get him in our church. They can see how cool the worship is and how great our band is. And then I'll get up there and deliver one of my hip messages and they'll want to be my friend. Maybe they'll like Jesus too. See, here's the deal. There's a, a pervasive thinking in some Christian circles and in some churches today, and it goes something like this. We think that if we're hip, cool, fashionable, trendy, and friendly, that sinners who are deeply committed to themselves to sin and to a satanic and worldly way of looking at life and the world, they will supernaturally magically be convinced that Jesus is the, is the answer and they'll want to be saved and be our friend. There's only one problem with that. That ain't how it works. That is not how the kingdom of God works. Now, let me say this. We are always to be friendly. We are always to be loving. We are always to be kind and we are always to be respectful to people. So that never changes. It's not about respect. In this situation, it's not about being kind. It's about simply declaring the truth. The fatal error that we make, that many pastors and Christians make in their thinking today, is that reaching others for Christ, sometimes called evangelism, or ministry effectiveness, is achieved through the messenger himself, or somehow in his method, the wow method, or the cool method, or the trendy method. The problem is, that ain't how it works. Now, you can draw crowds this way, but you cannot make disciples. I wonder what his response would have been if Joy Bear had said, Pastor, 
How do you feel about the Jewish Holocaust of World War II? Would his response have been, you know, if we could just travel back in time and sit down with Hitler and just say, Adolf, my man, tell me about your childhood. Hey, what went wrong back then? That time you got rejected from art college because your art sucked. I mean, did that really make you want to slaughter Jews? Hey, man, what's your story, man? I'm all ears, man. Just tell me. Here, here, have some more, have some more latte here. Let's talk about this. Would he have responded that way about the Holocaust? Or what if Joy Baird said, what is your position on racism? Would he have said, you know, them guys in the white sheets, there's a person under that sheet. There's a real person. And we as Christians must be compassionate to understand the story of every person so that we know racism is wrong. The end. Next question. What if she had said, what if Joe Baird said, Pastor, what is your view on rape? Would he have said, you know, men that rape have a lot of baggage and we need to understand where they're coming from. That would something that would, that would in their past that would cause them to commit this violent, brutal act of sexual assault and rape on a woman. No, he wouldn't respond to that way. But when it comes to abortion, it's all of a sudden something we need to be sensitive about. We need to hear someone's story. Now, listen, everybody does have a story. Some people do have crappy pasts that they can't overcome. Some people have incredibly messed up thinking about morality, about life, about babies and kids and everything else. But guess what? That doesn't mean that we don't call what they do sin. Now, I know later on, because this guy received such incredible backlash from the Christian community that he had to come out and say, oh, of course my church is against abortion. But you see, that was like page 16 news, whereas his original quote was page one news. You know how many people read page one on the internet as opposed to page 16? An exponentially greater number. So this, this guy has completely just tarnished his image in the eyes of, of other Christians and caused people to draw some conclusions about him that may or may not be true. You see, here's the deal. The messenger is irrelevant. Now, we can have platform. I'm an author. I've written 30 books. I have a platform. People follow me. I, I get that. You know, that's this the world that we live in. Everything is about platform. I, I totally understand that. But it's not just about your platform. Because you know why? Because you're replaceable. Did you know that? Because if you don't do what God's asked you to do, God will say, hey, I've got somebody else that's waiting in the wings that's more faithful and more willing to talk about my truth than you are, obviously. So I'll just, I'll just get them on the scene and let them declare what the truth is when you disqualify yourself in that way. So it's not really about the messenger. It's about the message. It's about who the message is about. The power is in the word of God's truth, his vintage truth, not in the way that we dressed or the soft sell approach we use or the feel. Let me feel your emotions first before I tell you. 
I mean, can you imagine after getting a, an MRI and you come back in the doctor's office and, and he's got this MRI that says you're eaten up with cancer? And he begins by saying, you know, let's not talk about the MRI. Let's talk about how you felt this week. Or, or let, Tell me about your childhood. You know what that's doing? That's only stalling time. This person needs to hear the truth. You know why? Will it be devastating? You bet it will. But guess what? Now they can go and deal with it. Now they can go get treatment. Now they can go and and start chemo or whatever it is, whatever regimen of anti-cancer treatment they, they're going to get. But you don't hold back. You tell the truth. It's not about you being liked. A doctor doesn't care about being liked by his patient. He cares about helping his patient. When you have 60 seconds to tell America whether butchering babies is right or wrong, and you skirt the question because you want to appear, quote, loving, then I submit that you don't understand the Bible or the opportunity that you've just been given. Or you don't understand what it really means to preach the gospel. Now, it's not about shouting damnation on national TV. I've been on a lot of national TV programs. It's not about that. It's about following a God who is plenty big enough to take the truth of his word and do with it whatever he wants. If you want a pleasant reaction from those who oppose the gospel and those who hate God, then simply compromise and tell them what they want to hear. This doesn't mean that you're not understanding with people. It doesn't mean you don't try and put the truth into a language that they can understand. We always do that. But when you are called up to the plate in a World Series moment, and God has already put the bat in your hand, then you have to be able to articulate as heaven's representative for that moment, God's truth without batting an eye. Like when John the Baptist appeared before Herod. He didn't say, Herod, man, I understand. You got a hot wife here. It's your brother's wife you stole, but yeah, yeah. But you know, hey, listen, she's hot. I get it. And you're lonely, man. You're a man. You need companionship. So I understand why you... No, he said, you're in sin because you took your brother's wife. You know what that got John the Baptist? Well, they took him down to the dungeon and they chopped his head off. That's what happened. He didn't stay on the show. He got taken off the show, put in the basement. See, sometimes the truth offends. Sometimes you just tell the truth. You take the arrows for it. When the truth is uncomfortable, sometimes the truth is comfortable. Sometimes people just need to know Jesus loves them, and you tell them that. That's what they need at the moment because they say, does God really love me? Could he really love even me, a liberal talk show host? Then that pastor would have said, you know what, Joy? He loves you more than you could possibly imagine. I'd love to have a conversation with you about it. I mean, think about how the pagan world was reached in the first century, how Christianity literally changed the way the world was done. The truth, as they saw it, they knew that the truth would be offensive ahead of time. You know why? Because they lived in a pagan culture that hated Jews, that hated this new thing called Christianity. You know, if this pastor had been invited to the home of Joy Bayer and, and for dinner, this, this person who is a skeptic, and by the way, God loves Joy Bayer, okay? But if he'd have been invited to her home and, and they're eating a meal and she's indicating some kind of openness to either 
you as a person or, or the God you claim to represent? And she goes, hey, tell me, tell me about your church. Tell me, tell me, I mean, like, for example, abortion, because it's kind of like abortion is this thing I can't get beyond. If you're against abortion, then your church is horrible, right? If she'd have said that to him, then you could say, Joy, l- let me ask you a question. Tell me how you kind of came to this conclusion, this understanding, this perspective about abortion. I want to hear your side so that I can better understand you. And then I'll tell you my understanding of how I view it. And then over dinner, he's a listener. But guess what? There's a time in evangelism and sharing your faith for ongoing dialogue. I mean, you don't have to share all the truth of God at one meeting. But when you have a soundbite moment, you got to know what you're going to say. And either intentionally or unintentionally, this guy swung and missed. I don't know if he really swung that hard. But he missed. But there's a time for discussion. There's a time for dialogue. Not everybody is reached. You can't share everything in a moment. I get that. That's why relationships are so important that people get to observe you over time. And they get to see what you're like in your your life. Anyway, don't be so sure of yourself to think that you know how to do an interview just because you stand before hundreds of people each week and give a talk. When the cameras are rolling and the moment of opportunity is speeding by like a New York commuter train, you better hop on and off in a hurry. You better know your stuff, know how the gospel works, and share it in a way that makes sense to people. You better understand theology, not just have a heart for people. The craving to be liked in the Christian world today by those to whom we speak can never outweigh the sobering responsibility that we have to declare the mind of God as his representative on planet earth. God's not speaking audibly to the world, but he is through you. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 16, he says, behold, I send you out as, as lambs among wolves. Be shrewd as serpents, but innocent as doves. I love what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 10 when he told the Corinthians, he said, listen, this is what we're doing here. He says, we don't walk according to the flesh. We don't war according to the flesh. He says, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. In other words, we're not there to hate people. People are not the enemy, but the ideas that they espouse are the enemy of the truth and of the gospel. He says, but our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. What kind of fortresses here? Well, he's talking about the fortresses of thought, of false truth, of fake news, of lies, of immorality. So we are destroying speculation, 2 Corinthians 10.5. We are destroying speculations in every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. That's the vintage truth. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You know what he's saying there? He's saying these lofty ideas that posture themselves as being so erudite and knowledgeable and intelligent and all these things says we're taking those things captive. How? By combating them with the truth of God. That's how it happens. Because truth always trumps falsehood. Whether people believe it or not, that's not your job. That's not our job. Our job is to simply share the truth. That's what we're called to do. I love what he says in Jude. In Jude 3, you know, Jude is the last book of the Bible right before Revelation. 
And some people have called it like the front porch to Revelation here. Listen to this. He says, for certain persons have crept in the church unnoticed, those who are long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. We get the opportunity to stand for Christ or to deny him and not say, oh, me, I don't know that truth. I don't know that God. That's not how it works. The verse previous to this, and I'll close with this, the verse previous to this, he says, behold, beloved, I, while I was right, making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend or wrestle earnestly for the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints. It's a wrestling match out there, a wrestling match of ideas, a wrestling match of philosophies, a wrestling match of competing truths. And we get the opportunity to get into the ring in situations like this. Now, not all situations are hostile. Some are just friendly discussions, but you know what? I had a guy this past week absolutely go after me on Facebook. Just because I said I was preaching at a church, he went after the Christian faith. He went after Paul. He went after Jesus. He went after me. And I don't, I didn't respond because I don't respond to that kind of stuff. But you know, there's a time to get in the ring and wrestle it. And some fights are just not worth it. You know, the guy who calls your name across the street, it's not worth it to go over there and punch his lights out, right? So it's important for us to contend earnestly for the faith. So don't be so desperate to be relevant that you sacrifice the truth in the process. Or put another way, don't sacrifice the clear truth of God no matter how offensive it might be to the unsaved mind. Don't sacrifice God's truth on the altar of love and acceptance and tolerance and relevance. And go out there and, and preach the truth. Do it in love, but preach the truth. You know, it's important. You know why? Because we, our credibility that we have out there in the world is mainly based on relationship. And when you don't have a relationship with someone and they ask you a point-blank question, man, it's time to fish or cut bait. It's not time to bail on the truth. You've got to stand for the truth of Jesus Christ. You've got to stand for him. You know why? Because the rocks aren't going to do it and the birds aren't going to do it. We are the body of Jesus Christ and we have to stand and tell the world how great our God is, how loving, how truthful, sometimes even how wrathful our God is. Hey, don't be ashamed of Jesus today. Don't be ashamed of Jesus this weekend. Get out there and be the light, man, and take the moment, whatever it is, to tell the world about your great God. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.